Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host here with executive producer and co-host Mark Griffith. We want to thank you all for joining us on this very special day. Thank you guys for being a part of our show. And we want to tell you how to get connected with us. A couple of places uh, to start. Number one, thehousinghour.com. It is the mothership of all of our information. You can listen to past shows, share that with friends and family. Um, and we're on the social networking platforms as well. Facebook.com slash The Housing Hour. We're also on Twitter at The Housing Hour and also Mark's Pinterest account as well, which he posts a it's lot. Hot, it, it's hot. It's hot. Some like it hot, Mark. So, yeah. And also, just so you'll know, uh, we have created a new website and it's very dynamic. It's very optimized and we have an incredible new site, so we'd love for you to go check it out. It's mobile responsive, which uh, for the non-millennial, that means that when you look <laughs> at it on your mobile phone, it's gonna look and feel um, native to that phone. So uh, we're excited about all of those things, and you know, um, one of the reasons that we started the Housing Hour was to bring to you important information, also uh, to give you experts in different areas that uh, kind of revolve around home safety or, you know, protecting your kids and uh, home ownership matters, mortgage-related topics, and what more important topic could there be than uh, prevention of losing your life, your home, your belongings, than to speak with someone who has really dived uh, headfirst into this topic. And so today on the show, we actually have a survivor of a wildfire. And in the past, uh, Mark, we've had people on, matter of fact, just not too long ago, we had someone, someone on who really advocated uh, the whole prevention. And today we have Linda Masterson on. Correct. And she is an author, she is a writer, researcher, and she has written a book that really just helps you to realize how it is um, that she survived and to give you some tools. Linda, first of all, let me just tell you, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kevin and Mark, for having me and letting me reach out and talk to people at such an important time of year when there really is time to get prepared. Absolutely. Well, you know, why don't we start here, Linda, because I think it's a good idea um, for folks out there listening to get that 30,000-foot view of what happened. And, you know, we can go in whatever direction you'd like, but first I'd like to just hear you know, a little bit about what happened in 2011 uh, that caused your home to be lost. Can you give us some details? Sure. 2011 had been a very dry year in Colorado, and in early April at 7,000 feet, it's supposed to still be winter, mm. but it was warm and dry, and the spring flowers were already blooming, which would make most people pretty happy that right. makes mountain dwellers pretty nervous because we start worrying about what's going to happen, what, what will happen ahead. Is it going to be a bad fire season? Are we prepared? This is something so, that you guys go into each season with this in mind, correct? 
We do go into each season, and you know, an interesting thing about it is that there hardly seems to be a wildfire season mm. anymore. The, with climates warming, there are literally wildfires almost every month of the year somewhere in the country. Yeah. Uh, so that particular year, we were maybe a little more nervous than usual. We were supposed to be going on vacation on April 3rd, and we were trying to get ready, and we were thinking we really should, you know, do something. We're not perhaps as prepared as we should be. Uh, it had been, like I said, so hot, so dry for early spring. And that day of the fire, I actually went around and I took pictures of our house and a lot of our belongings. I walked our property. I just thought to myself, you know, just just do a little more. Do a few of those things that you've been putting off. That's um, amazing. Really, if you step back and look at it, that is a miracle. It is a miracle. And a lot of our friends, who people who know me well, say there had to have been an angel on my shoulder mm. that day. There's no doubt. You know, we had lived there for... 10 years. Yeah. Well, and you I have a beautiful shot of your home in your bio at the bottom. And by the way, the website is amazing. What is her website, Mark? Survivingwildfire.com. And we'll have that on the housinghour.com to link to, but um, just a beautiful home. Was that when you took the pictures? Was that one yes. of them? Okay. Mm -hmm. That was one of the pictures that was taken. A lot of what I took was what most people would consider very crazy pictures, mm -hmm. insides of closets and drawers and photos of the ceiling, but they all turned out to be invaluable. Oh, you know, absolutely. And yet, uh, that night, we went to bed. We were supposed to get up early the next morning. We were supposed to be leaving for the airport went to bed, and the wind was howling. We were sleeping down in the basement. And there had been a little wildfire two days before that was listed officially as out uh, that was about three miles away from us. Wow. And we had been watching it. We had seen it actually start. It was three miles across the ridge. We watched it. We watched it go out. We listened to all the reports. And we were like, okay, you know, thank God they got that out. Mm-hmm. So we're downstairs, and we're trying to sleep, and we hear this huge boom. Mm. And we come, wake up, come running upstairs, look out our big, huge picture windows, and across the ridge there is a wall of fire that's probably 100 feet high. Oh Do you know immediately that your life is in danger and that you have to put your plan into, or what are your thoughts right then? Well, right then, our thoughts were, maybe it will go behind the ridge and miss us, because it, it could have moved in another direction, and mm. we had been evacuated for another fire about a decade ago that had done just that. Uh, so I so, guess it has to do with wind and other, other factors. It does, yeah. and you can't predict that. You know, no civilian can look at a fire and go, where is it going? Even the firefighters can't do that. Right. So we knew it was much too close for comfort. Mm -hmm. We said, we have to get out of here. My husband started calling our neighbors, 
used our neighbor alert list, started calling them. Mm. Half of them were asleep. And so he well, started sure. waking people up. And I started... Just that simple working. thing probably saved lives. Oh, it did. Yeah. We had several neighbors who said they would have been dead if we had not called them because we were on the front side of the fire front and they were farther down in the valley mm -hmm. and they would never have seen it coming. Now, now that you've painted the picture for us on what happened up until the point where you evacuated. Now, because we don't have a, you know, we have some time, but I want to make sure we talk about why you wrote this book. This book, what is the title of your book again? It's Surviving Wildfire, Get Prepared, Stay Alive, Rebuild Your Life. Okay, well, it couldn't be any more clear, and that is very straightforward. So you've painted the picture of that moment where you look out your picture window, you immediately begin the process of evacuation, of alerting neighbors. You had these checklists that you were going down. So so what I want to do, because we have about five minutes left in this segment, I want to know, after you've experienced it, what part of you, was it because of your writing skills and that skill set that you had from the past, what made you want to write this book? Was it just to save other lives, or was there more to it? Honestly, I didn't write Surviving Wildfire because I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I I wrote it because I really felt I had to. Mm. I, I've spent my whole life researching, writing, making the complex and the confusing understandable and actionable. And I just thought to myself, what are the odds that another professional writer who specializes mm. in nonfiction has lost a home to a wildfire? Yeah. You know, and even so, it took some prodding from my publisher and it took the support and encouragement of my husband before I said, yes, I would write it. Well, I, I think that a lot of people believe, you know, that there are special forces at play here. And it might have been meant to be and that you were the person who was going to be best uh, to to put this book out there because as Mark said, it's very clear and concise and organized and I imagine that I mean you had pictures of all your rooms, you must be an organized person, but you you laid it out there so that you were able to make the incomprehensible comprehensible, which is kind of what your theme is. Yes, I didn't want anyone else to have to learn all those lessons that we learned the hard way. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of lessons to be learned, and I'd say that some of the things that, that you also experienced was the loss of a beautiful home, a beautiful, uh, very nice views, I'm sure. And how did that feel? I mean, I can't even begin to imagine losing the thing that I built and the thing that I loved. I mean, was there a lot of emotions once, once the, the smoke cleared? You know, it's losing your home in any kind of disaster is a life-altering kind of mind-numbing experience because one day you have this beautiful life that you've worked really hard for. You have a home filled with perhaps things you've collected over your life. And the next day it's all gone mm. and everything you own fits in your car. Yeah. And you can't even imagine what's that like. It's 
the beginning of a very long journey down a very long and bumpy road back to what will be a new normal. You know, you don't ever get over it. You just learn to incorporate it, to learn from it, and to move forward because you can't really live life looking in your rearview mirror. Oh, that's that's very well said. And um, in our next segment, we're going to talk about, we'll finish up your story, but then we want to talk about some of your top items. And I think, Mark, it's uh, really amazing to me that she has owned this um, feeling of destiny, that this was her fate to write this book. And, you know, some people run from that and they say, no, it's not me. This was a tragedy. This is something I don't even want to ever think about again. But what's Linda doing? The exact opposite of that. Yeah. And when we come back on the other side of the break, I'd like to ask the question and think about this, Linda, when we come back is uh, you thought you were prepared before this. But obviously, when this came through, you started taking pictures of the closets and things. So something went through your mind that you weren't as prepared as perhaps you thought you were. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we have this incredible book that you've done. So I'd like yeah. you to speak speak to that in yeah, just a moment. There's no doubt about it. And um, this is a, a, a topic that here in the Smoky Mountains, which is just, you know, a driver three iron away, yeah. uh, you know, we have a lot of folks listening through our podcast that could be affected by this and certainly we want to make sure that this book is available to them and you can capture that book right on her website which you can find at thehousinghour.com and we'll definitely encourage that and promote that as much as we can we have linda masterson here with us author researcher and uh, we'll be right back come back with us just after these messages Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray. I'm here with co-host and uh, executive producer extraordinaire Mark Griffith. And we're having just a wonderful day, and we're so thankful for the opportunity to uh, speak into your life uh, this morning and afternoon. We've got all kinds of things going, and we're just thankful for the opportunity. Uh, We're thankful to Mortgage Investors Group, certainly, for sponsoring our show. Um, And we're just grateful to uh, be able to be in a position to give back to our community and uh, worldwide, frankly, because I think this information, just as an example that Linda is providing, would be uh, important in the Smoky Mountains or all the way in California and everywhere in between. So today we have Linda Masterson on the line with us, and she is an author, writer, and also survivor of a wildfire. Her home was destroyed in 2011, which uh, was the diamond, I believe it was the the dubbed the diamond fire, I think, of something like that. Was that what it was, Linda? Crystal fire? The crystal, that's right. Uh, the crystal fire. And, um, and so we have Linda here because what we want to try to do is provide back to our, our friends, family, listeners, information that could be helpful to you. And... You know, Mark, you had a question before we went, so why don't you go ahead and, and, and break in on that? Yeah, Linda, I'm I'm an assistant scoutmaster, and so our motto, of course, in Boy Scouts is always be prepared. And we've been we've hiked in the uh, Cumberland Mountains in um, in those in those periods of time in April where we actually witnessed 
forest fires across the, the ridge. And we've seen those things with our own eyes and experienced them. And so I see that there's a connection between what you started with is taking pictures in, in your closets and you had this maybe a premonition, if you would, uh, that there was something going on. And, and then you thought you, prepared, you were prepared in your home before this, but now it takes a different light. And I was just wondering, had you thought you were prepared and you discovered at the last moment that you really weren't? We thought we were better prepared than most. We were tree farmers. We were volunteers for our local fire department in the marketing and communications. We really had done our homework. But after our home burned down, we learned that we were not nearly as well prepared as we could have been. Mm. I think one of the most sobering things is to stand there in your pile of rubble with your insurance agent an adjuster, and you think that because your house is obviously dead and gone, your policy is just going to pay out in full, kind of like life insurance. And it's an incredibly sinking feeling when you find out that's not how it works, that you have now become a partner with your insurance company, and that partnership is going to last a long time anywhere from six months to two years or more until you're going to be able to collect what you have coming. Well, I mean, Linda, look, we I just had to have a new roof put on a couple of years ago. And matter of fact, it was around the time that this happened. And it was the most painstaking process. I can't even imagine what you had to deal with with your insurance over all of this. Yes, to, to go through the whole claims process is an unbelievable experience. People have no idea they're going to have to account for every single thing they own from their paper clips to their family heirlooms. They're going to have to list them, value them. Our home inventory turned out to be more than 2,500 line items. Wow. It was 168. Well, yeah, and that seems about normal. I mean, for a normal household, you're going to have a lot of stuff that you're going to not remember and making lists and taking pictures is one of your primary uh, defenses against that. Yes. You know, it, it used to be much harder, but today, honestly, anyone with a good smartphone can go around and take pictures of thousands of things in mm -hmm. just a day. And even if you never go any farther than that, you don't value them, you don't list them, you know, you don't do anything else. As long as you have those photos and they're safe on the cloud, you have something to jar your memory and you have a place to start. The cloud was the key there, I was going to say. And Linda, in, in your book, I, I just want to read this one quote from the book because this kind of touched me, is that, uh, that the first thing that you bought was a cherry cup of coffee, uh, a cherry coffee cup and a gent gently loved teddy bear at a thrift shop. For a few dollars, they still bring me many smiles. Oh, that is special. They do. You know, you have nothing, and in many ways, you're almost afraid to buy anything. Mm. It, it's as though everything was taken away from you, and you're, like, scared mm -hmm. to move on. And I always start my day with a good cup of coffee, and my other nonfiction book, that is very popular is a handbook on living with bears yes. that's 
also very popular in your neighborhood. Oh, very living, popular. Livingwithbears.com, I believe, right? <laughs> yes. And those two things made me start to feel a tiny bit like a person again. Mm. Yeah. Well, th- you were stripped away of everything other than what you could physically carry out of that home. And being someone who has two kids, a wife, a dog, and lots of belongings, you know, that feeling of hopelessness, I'm just speaking for myself, that feeling of hopelessness and that, you know, vulnerability, vulnerability, but also that, you know, I don't know that I can go on. I don't know that I can, I just can imagine the emptiness felt inside. And one of the ways I think that you filled the void was writing this book. And let's talk about some specific things because, you know, I found it very interesting um, that one of the the biggest uh, things you suggest is making your home home defensible, and you know that's a, a wildfire is going to come at you, and it's going to come quickly and swiftly, and it's not going to discriminate on what color your house is or what type of shrubs you have. It's coming. Now, defensible. Can you describe what that means? What does making your home defensible mean? Making your home defensible means making it as hard as possible for a wildfire to start your home on fire. Mm -hmm. A good place people can see lots of diagrams and get a lot more information, besides my book, of course, is the FireWise website, which Mm. will show you all sorts of diagrams and explain to you how to eliminate ladder fuel, why simple, simple things like cleaning up your gutters and not decorating your porch deck with baskets of pine cones can make the difference between fire getting a foothold in your house and fire literally burning around you. The fire that destroyed our house was literally a firestorm. There is nothing that would have saved our home. Right. But most homes that are lost in wildfires are lost to surface fire. Mm -hmm. And surface fire is something that if you have prepared your home properly, your home can defend itself. Mm. Even in your situation or in in some situations? Your situation was... Was not it was not going to happen. It, there was no way to prevent what happened. Uh, is that what you're saying? In our situation, there was no way to prevent right. it. Our fire had 90 mile an hour winds. You're kidding uh, me. 90 mile an hour winds. That would be hurricanes somewhere else. Wow. It, yeah, it threw firebrands for two miles. It moved faster than a freight train. But most fires are surface fires and they okay yeah they burn in a in not a controlled way but they burn more slowly and you can deter them from your home if you've cleaned your gutters mowed your grass kept flammable things away from your house gotten rid of your ladder fuels you know you can do a lot that way non non flammable deck furniture gravel mulch a couple of the other things Yes, non-flammable deck furniture, gravel mulch, uh, non-flammable porch railings, and Mm -hmm. 
pathways that lead to your house. A lot of things you can do like that. And you know, FireWise, we had some FireWise folks not too long ago. We're going to also put their uh, website up as well. Yeah, I've actually created a series called um, a Wildfire Series. That's wonderful. And that can be found on thehousinghour.com. And you can go there because there's a lot of tools and those guys were great. It gives you space guidelines and, and things you can do with your homeowners association. We're going to continue with Linda Masterson right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real. Takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. Thank you all for joining us back into the Housing Hour. Well, we're just very happy to have you and. Uh, the Housing Hour, and it's such a, a, a great name because it covers so many topics. Um, you know, we want to be the person that you go to when you need to know information that could be helpful to protecting your family, protecting your home, anything as it relates to your home, your neighborhood, um, the Housing Hour is there for you. And the Mortgage Investors Group, uh, located based out of Knoxville, Tennessee, um, is the sponsor of our show, MIGonline.com. Uh, you can go there and find out more information about them. And uh, we'd love for you to, to connect with them if you'd like to know more about mortgages. And today on our show, we have Linda Masterson. She is an author, writer, survivor of a wildfire that happened in 2011. It was the 2011 Crystal Fire, very well-known fire. Uh, and um, she has written a book. Her book has went into great detail to help people understand how to survive a wildfire. But there's also sections about insurance and other items. Um, and, you know, Linda, I thought maybe the time best served is now to just give you an opportunity to talk a little bit to the people that are listening. We have a pretty huge audience about the recovery process because it's a long process, isn't it? It is a very long process to recover. And you have to really just take it one day at a time. It's not something you can push the fast forward button. So you just have to believe that you will get through it. Uh, for us, we looked at the whole recovery process as a very important job. Mm. One that the rest of our life was going to depend on how well we do that job. Mm -hmm. And I I think that most of your listeners, I hope, will never find themselves in the recovery process. But everyone should be in the get prepared process. Mm -hmm. So if the worst does happen, you have done everything possible that you can do to be prepared to rebuild your life, to have the resources you're going to need, to be able to look backwards and not have your life filled with woulda, coulda, shoulda, if only we'da. Mm. To know you've nobody ever looks back and goes, wow, I wish I'd had less insurance or wish we'd been less prepared. 
So one of the things I urge people is to get your insurance policy out, look up your coverage page, and sit down with your agent and go through it. Try to understand what kind of coverage you have, what does it really cover, do you have replacement coverage for all your belongings, and find out what you need to get it up to what it should be today. You know, most people don't understand that your insurance is going to cover the cost of rebuilding your home, not paying off your mortgage or buying another home. And that's why most people who lose a home to any kind of disaster are underinsured by at least 25%. Wow. Well, and we have an expert that we were going to have on soon to talk about that, uh, Mansoor. And so that's a good point because I don't, I mean, I'll say uh, maybe, I don't know, 25% of people read their insurance policies, and maybe that number is low. I don't know. But um, what do you Well, I think what happens is a lot of times in the home buying uh, process, Linda, that everybody just wants to get to the closing as fast as they can and move in. So mm-hmm. you're, you're directed to a, an, an insurance agent, and you just pick a policy, and you go with it. I don't think anybody really studies the, the particulars about the uh, policy. So I think that's where your book is going to be so insightful to help mm-hmm. folks sort that out well because there's you made a very good point replacement cost and coverage mm-hmm. there could be that one piece missing out of your policy because your insurance agent wanted to woo you with a lower premium right and it could mean the loss of potentially i mean potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars because if yes. you would lose everything hundreds of thousands of dollars because people never understand that their coverage for everything else, your belongings, your landscaping, your outbuildings, it's all a percentage mm-hmm. of your base policy. Yeah. And people don't understand how that works. And we had great insurance. We just didn't have enough of it. Mm. Now, is your home, let me ask you a question with, within the recovery process. The land, depending upon the severity of the burn of the land that you lived on, was it even, I apologize if, if this was covered in your book and I just missed it, but is it recoverable in the sense that, yeah, you own the land, but what if that land is not recoverable what, by the time you need to rebuild? That's an excellent point because people don't understand, of course, that their insurance doesn't cover their property. It doesn't cover infrastructure like utilities and things like that. Mm. Another reason you can end up with nowhere near the amount of money you need. And you want to make sure that your policy gives you an option. Our property was burned in 300, we had 365 views, and in all directions it was charcoal toothpicks. Mm. Not only our property, but 4,000 acres all around us. Mm-hmm. So you could practically we could have eventually rebuilt a much smaller home on site because that's what we would have been able to afford to do mm-hmm. but we wouldn't really have wanted to live there right which right. brings that's a, a good point which brings to another part of your book Linda you spoke to this and I know I read this that you said after this type of disaster the uh, people want to sell but the home values typically drop 50% at least 50% for several years. 
So mm. it's very hard to sell your property, and yet you have to start over. And people also don't understand the cost of rebuilding. You know, we were in quite a housing recession for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. So the cost of buying a house had not gone up very much, but the cost of building a house, especially outside of town, had doubled in the 10 years since we'd built ours. And excuse my ignorance in this question, but does the insurance company typically look at the intrinsic value of the home or the market value of the home as it relates to rebuilding or or paying you for what the home was worth? Insurance companies base everything on your cost to rebuild in today's dollars Mm -hmm. as long as you have that Mm -hmm. kind of coverage. Right. That's important. It's critical. It's vital. If you have only the cost to market value of your house, you will definitely be underinsured. Now, an important thing for people to realize, and we're, we're running out of time in this segment, and then we'll have one more segment, but, you know, for folks out there that are thinking, well, you know what, it never could happen to me. I live in West Knoxville, or I live in East Nashville, or I live in South Knoxville. You know what, I, I tell you, folks, you might not have 90-mile-per-hour p- winds, but let there be a house fire with wood and woods nearby, and let just one ember get in those woods and guess what you have yourself a wildfire that's what that is and so for you it may be reading her book and going to the firewise website and looking at things as simple as your landscaping and your your space guidelines and what your homeowners association is doing as far as making sure that the um the streets are clearly marked and that there's enough room for engine for for fire engines to get in and things of that nature so even just taking it down to that level linda for people who think well this would never happen to me well it very well could happen to you it could you know disasters are always things that happen to other people until they're not right and it's not just wildfires but there's a half a million structure fires in the U.S. almost every year, and nearly 3,000 people were killed in 2013 in house fires. Wow. So it's, it's not just a wildfire that you have to worry about, although in areas in Tennessee, in all of these areas where there are housing developments that are built within a couple of miles even of wooded areas, those housing developments can suddenly find themselves in the middle of a wildfire, even if you feel like you live in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Well, and another thing with your insurance, too, just not to harp too much on this, but um, there's all kinds of things that you have to take into account, like tax implications within your policy that you have to be sure that are in place, especially homes that are susceptible to wildfires. Um, on your site, I believe it is, or somewhere where I found it. Is that an important part of it? Because there's all kinds of tax implications, I would imagine, to all of this. Well, there are, and if you should be unfortunate enough to lose your home in a disaster, you're going to need a really good tax accountant. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's another example because we have tax accountants that, you know, you think of all these different segments of the recovery process, the insurance, the tax accountant, the home builder, the, oh man, it goes on and on. And this book covers it all from A to Z. We're speaking with Linda Masterson. We'll be right back after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. My name's Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Uh, guys, we encourage you to go check out thehousinghour.com. We have a brand new website available for uh, your pleasure, and we hope that you like it. Give us feedback, certainly, on Facebook. You can email us. You can get in contact with us. Mark also speaks at children's birthday parties as well. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like for him to come out, he does balloon animals and some other things. Um, but we have Linda Masterson today on the show. We have only a few minutes left with her, and she has a book that we, are, we have on our website right now as we speak that we want you to go to and purchase. This would be a wonderful um, gift that you could give to someone just to show them that you care, especially someone who is an, a planner, an organizer. This is a blueprint, if you will, to keeping your home safe and also your life safe. Um, and for that matter, your neighbors and friends who live around you. And if you are looking for something to do, if you're listening to the show and you live in a community in the Smoky Mountains and you feel like God is calling you to do something as it relates to preparing your family and your friends, this is a great book to start with. And the Firewise website as well. Mark, I think you were signaling that you had a question. Uh, just the, the Firewise uh, show mm -hmm. is up, and you can get all that information. Uh, Leon Kuntz is the head of the Firewise mm -hmm. information, so uh, he's a good source. And actually, he's the one that introduced me to the book that Linda mm -hmm. wrote. So, uh -huh. Well, that's good to know that that book's being promoted. So you're an overcomer, as our song that we led into this last segment. Um, there's a lot of people listening, maybe, or has this, this show was shared to them that have been through the devastation of a fire and have lost everything and maybe it was a wildfire or maybe it was a house fire maybe it was arson maybe it was whatever the case may have been and you're a real overcomer i mean i i hear it in your voice you you have confidence and you have just such such uh i guess confidence is really the biggest word that comes to mind in what you're doing to help others but what would you say to someone who doesn't have that same confidence what do they need to do i think the first thing they need to do if you're someone actually trying to recover from a disaster is to reach out and let people help you hmm. Most of us, I know for us this was so true, we were used to being on the giving end of help. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a very humbling experience to be on the receiving end. Yeah. And when you realize that you need help to get your life back together, to start down that long road, and you let people help you, 
it's so much easier to move forward. So if someone is really in that situation, I would urge them to seek help from their friends, their neighbors, their community, and believe that people will be there to help them. And, and Linda, in your book, you wrote um, this, and I'll just paraphrase this. It says, it's unreasonable, speaking about people reaching out for others to help them, it's unreasonable to expect a lot of emotional support from your cable company. <laughs> <laughs> that is oh so true. Especially not Comcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, that's such a good point, though, because, you know, in recovering from a disaster, guess what, folks? You need support. You need a support group. And, and there are support groups out there for people who need, need help. You know, our church has a support group specifically for these type of things. And, you know, our small group, we've had people in my small group that have had surgeries and we've made dinner plans and we've all rotated with dinner, you know. And if we had somebody in our network that had this type of devastation, guess what? We're going to show up and we're going to suit up and we're going to help you to overcome the obstacles. And I think that's what you're saying, Linda, is to have the people in your life. And, and you know, asking for help is not always, not always easy. It is not always easy, but it almost always is necessary. Mm-hmm. And for all those people out there that are crossing their fingers and saying, I really hope that never happens to me, I would second that. Mm-hmm. But I would also urge you to get prepared. It's very unlikely that most people will lose a home in a natural disaster. But if you do, the price you pay for being underprepared is unbelievable. Mm, Why take that chance when you can do your homework now and you can give your home a better chance, you can give your life a better chance, you can give yourself the resources you're going to need if disaster does strike. Well, that's a very nice uh, message to all of those people that are listening and you know, everybody thinks about what they would do, how they would overcome certain obstacles. That might, I mean, there's so many things that could happen. It could be, God forbid, it could be the death of a child, or it could be the loss of a job. It could be the loss of a home. It could be so many things. But guess what, folks? Disasters happen. Bad things happen to good people. And you know what? You have to prepare yourself. And you know, the, the Bible was written, inspired by God, written by man. And not that I'm equating what you've written to the biblical prophecies, but I believe your book certainly is something that all people that believe in preparing should read. And we're going to do everything we can to get that word out there. Linda Masterson, thank you for joining us on the Housing Hour. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And until next time, on behalf of Mark Griffith and Mortgage Investors Group, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week right here on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know. So come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.